With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast. With the third pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Quinnen Williams, nose tackle, Alabama. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, I'm going to talk with our longtime co-host, Dalvin Osorio, about the New York Jets overall roster coming out of the NFL draft, where we think they're being overrated and underrated a little bit on how they're currently constructed, and also just give some final thoughts on the overall collection of players that they brought in as we enter one of the quieter times of the NFL calendar. We're not going to hit you with too much uh, unnecessary panic about Le'Veon Bell not being at voluntary workouts or the Jets signing Luke Falk and releasing uh, Brandon Silvers. So uh, that's generally what we're dealing with at this time of the year. As a reminder, a subscribe rate review on iTunes, up to 480 reviews, mostly thanks to our uh, recent jersey giveaway. We'll hit another one of those over the summer as well, so stay with, with us on that. Uh, also available on Spotify and Google Play. Our man Scott Mason got our little commercial timing thing cleaned up, so we don't got to worry about that anymore. Uh, and that's basically it. Got some new content on the way this weekend, so of course, as always, stay with us at turnonthejets.com. All right, Dalbin, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. It's always great to be back with you. Um, I... I think you suckered me in because I was ready to discuss all the merits of actually signing Luke Falk. So now knowing that that's not going to happen, I'm a little disappointed. But, uh, yeah, it's always good to be back, especially post-draft with you. So, uh, obviously, thanks for having me on. I'm going to have to ride with Trevor Simeon as the eventual Jets backup quarterback. Sorry to all the massive Davis Webb fans out there. But, hey, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of camp arms. I don't want to see too much Sam Darnold this preseason. we got to keep him right. safe, keep him <laughs> exactly. clean. He's got, he's got a gauntlet of defenses in those first six weeks before the schedule softens, softens up a little bit. But as it stands now overall, I think the – general prevailing wisdom about the Jets roster is that they've done a good job beefing up in most places outside of two. Uh, Offensive line with a focus on center uh, and then cornerback. Uh, Everything else, I think there's a couple minor questions here or there. Depth at receiver, um, you know, maybe uh, edge rusher feels like less of a concern for most now because of polite. We could debate whether that's, you know, valid or not. It is a lot to expect of a third round rookie. What do you think, putting the obvious answers aside, are a positional group on the Jets roster that's being undervalued and a positional group on the Jets roster that's being overvalued? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good question. And I have kind of gone back and forth in my head and in a piece that I'm writing for TOJ about it. But I'm I'm going to start with the overrated group, and I'm actually not going to say that it's a it's a group as much as it is Greg Williams' ability to get the front seven to play up to the level that is needed to cover up for. Let's be frank, Joe, not a very good 
secondary outside of Jamal Adams, right? Like Marcus May has some questions. I've got I've gotten to the point where I've started calling him Marcus Maybe because we don't know if he's going to be healthy because when he's healthy, he's been good, but we haven't been able to bank on him like that. Tremaine Johnson has been a huge disappointment contract wise. And then they've given this money to Daryl Roberts to be the opposite corner opposite him. And then you sign the younger buster screen who was not all that good to man the slot. And then you don't really have much depth behind those guys. So the front seven is going to be tasked with so much. And you invested in CJ Mosley and Avery Williams in the last two years. And then you now have polite who, again, is probably going to start at one of the outside linebacker spots. But like you said, it's a lot to ask a third rounder who let's be Frank had one of the worst com one of the worst pre-draft processes we've ever seen and i know a lot of people including myself i mean i think part of it had to do with like his mom might have been sick and he had a lot of weight on his shoulders a lot to ask a young man to take care of but what if it's not what if he's not as good as a lot of people are projecting you're asking a front seven to be better than it showed last year and you're banking on greg williams who the Cleveland Browns, before when he became head coach, be, became a better defense, like statistically down the stretch. They allowed less points, allowed less yards per game. But I think his ability to kind of rise this group to an above average unit, which is still going to be needed, I think that's being really overrated right now. A positional group that's underrated for me, I think, is the wide receivers. I think Quincy Anua, the hope is that, and we've talked about this, you did a really good deep dive on just Anua just in terms of his ability to run all these different routes. But too often, offensive coordinators have only used him one way, right? And the hope is that Adam Gase uses him very differently. Then you have Robbie Anderson, who, again, you hope he continues to diversify his route tree. And then you have Jamison Crowder, who I honestly believe has the chance to lead the team in receptions and yards because he's he's such a mismatch from the slot. He's a, you can't cover him with linebackers or slot cornerbacks because he's so fast. And he plays bigger than his diminutive frame. So I think the wide receiver group as a whole is absolutely being underrated. I would have loved to see them add another another receiver in the draft but i think it's a group that actually has some serious potential so that's why i would take as overrated and underrated hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I think particularly the Greg Williams point, and I feel like yeah. it's been a very common reframe, and we've talked about this before. Whenever there's a potential question about a player or about a positional group on the defense, the answer is always, well, Greg Williams will get the most out of them. He'll, he'll be the cure-all for any potential problems, and... I think that's probably an overstatement based on his resume. And, you know, it's sometimes even very good defensive coaches will have a hard time navigating personnel problems. Now, I do think that the talk of whether the Jets are going to play a 3-4 or 4-3 is a little overstated. I think they're going to play a lot of both. I think they're going to play a lot of nickel and a lot of sub package. And they'll find ways to get all their best players on the field. It's just a matter of how they're utilized when they're out there. And if a guy like Polite can make an immediate impact as a rookie and be you know a six seven eight sack guy and give them more of an right. edge presence to go with guys who are more complimentary players like Jordan Jenkins and uh, Brandon Copeland. 
generally align with you on the receivers. I think Anua staying healthy is a key piece to that. But I remain very bullish on Robbie Anderson and feel like if he gets 16 games out of a starting quarterback, he'll be in a 1,000-yard receiver. Do think Crowder is going to get a lot of targets in the short to intermediate passing game. We know that that type of player yeah. is critical in Adam Gase's offense and that the Jets' base personnel and what Gase ran 70 75% of the time in Miami is going to be three receivers. So their base offense is going to be Anderson, Anua, Herndon, uh, Crowder, and Bell uh, with periodic mixing in of a second tight end, and that could be Wesco or, or Leggett. Although, again, we could be looking at Herndon being suspended for the first couple of games. I think, right. you know, when I, when I look around this roster – I still think, despite the addition of Polite, I still think Edge is still a question mark. And I just think overall speed on the second level of the defense and the overall yeah. defense. Again, the Jets have built to be bigger in a league that's trying to get faster. So there's going to be some weeks against the right offense where I think that's going to work really well. Uh, and C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson, offenses will not be able to take advantage of some potential liabilities they could have. I think certain offenses are going to come out against the Jets and look at their personnel uh, and put them at, you know, four or five wide uh, and try to spread them out and get Williamson in space and say, you know, if you want to put Henry Anderson, Quentin Williams, Leonard Williams, Steve McClendon, Avery Williamson, and C.J. Mosley on the field at the same time, we're going to load up with receiving backs and receivers and make you chase those guys right. around. And that's what, some, that's what you could see somebody like New England doing. So I think the yeah. front seven looks really good on paper and I think against certain matchups it's going to thrive and completely dominate we used to see this sometimes with Rex Ryan defenses like sometimes when you're just playing an <laughs> offense like Buffalo could be or like they were it's just a perfect matchup but I do think when they play teams like a New England or a Cleveland that could be problematic I think underrated I, I've very quietly been a big fan of the Ty Montgomery edition I felt very strongly about mm-hmm. them needing more depth at the running back spot because uh, I'm not a believer that Eli McGuire is the guy you want as your number two back, as a number three back, and a situational guy in the passing game, sure. But I think Montgomery, for what he does and how he can line up at receiver, is going to add some nice punch off the bench to the Jets' offense, and I'm happy that they recognize that as a spot of need. Also, think he can contribute as a kick returner. So I feel good overall about their running back group now. Uh, I do think they'll probably invest a pick on it next year. I'm glad they didn't use one of their six picks on it this year since they didn't end up acquiring more picks. So I feel pretty good about that positional group, and I care less about Bell on his voluntary workouts. I think the Jets are going to get a good year from him. Is he going to produce at his highest absolute level that he did in Pittsburgh? I don't know, but I do think he's a guy who's going to lead the team in receptions, get over a thousand yard rushing, uh, and add seven to 10, hopefully maybe even one or two more touchdowns to that offense. So elsewhere, focusing or circling back to those commonly talked about problem areas, what do you think is, uh, a potential thing that's being overlooked. When you look at that offensive line, okay. basically, who do people feel too good about or not feel good enough about when you look at this offensive line? We know who the five starters are going to be. Jonathan Harrison, right. Brian Winters, Kalecio Semele, Brandon Shell, pending his health, and Kelvin Beecham, uh, with the top backups likely being uh, Adoga. They signed John Toth, the guy who doesn't have, really have much experience. They also still have Brent Kwali on the roster, and they also added Tom Compton. Uh, what are people feeling too good about with that unit, unit and not good enough about? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I think is being constantly overlooked, and it's it's kind of crazy, is is Kelvin Beecham is had by far the I mean, uh, uh, Osemele is the best 
offensive linemen they have, but Kelvin Beecham's the most consistent one they have. And he's arguably the most important because he has to protect Sam Sam Darnold's blind side. And again, he was he was solid last year and he's been solid the entire time here. And you plug him in at left tackle, he shows up every week, make sure that his quarterback is protected. And a lot of people kind of wanted him out this year. They wanted an upgrade at the position and he's quietly been their best offensive lineman, uh, even if Osamele is the most talented. I think the thing that's being overlooked Aside from the center position, because I do believe that there's a really good chance that Compton beats out Harrison, because Harrison is not very good. And I, and Compton last year was, I think he allowed one quarterback pressure every 16 snaps, which would equate to two quarterback pressures a game if Sam drops back 32 times, which again, is not terrible. That's actually really good for a center. The only thing is that, again, he's a veteran. He's had some concussion issues, some injury issues. So you have to worry about like, okay, what is that an anomaly because you were a swing position on that offensive line in Detroit, or can you sustain this over an entire season? with the thing that's being overlooked is Brandon Shell because again when the season ended Joe they were talking about that this was a potentially you know season like next season uh ending injury because of how serious it was and now they're saying oh no he's going to be ready for camp and that worries me because the Jets notoriously have a history of downplaying injuries that are more serious and vice versa like I can think back to even like the Geno Smith jaw uh, jaw injury they were like oh he's out eight to ten weeks and he suited up week one right so I think for me Brandon Shell. He's 27 years old. You're, you're, now, you're now getting into the part of his young career where you're trying to figure out if you should invest heavy money into him. And he's coming off an injury. He struggled a little bit last year. The year before, he was better. And so now I think you now have to figure out if he's your long-term right tackle, especially because you drafted a guy who, one, has the Sam Darnold seal of approval, and two, is probably going to push you for that position at right tackle. And you, so now you have to worry about that. I think it's being overlooked just how set that right tackle position is because it's very possible that it's not Brandon Shell to start at right tackle. It's possible that Udoga beats him out for that position. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Shell is the guy that I kind of go back to. And I think when you ask, when you question the Jets offensive line, it goes beyond mm-hmm. uh, just potential questions about Jonathan Harrison. Uh, right. Because we don't know how healthy Shell's going to be. And Shell, even if you take out last year, he missed four games the year before and right. only played like right. 68% of the snaps. So he needs to stay healthy for all 16. I don't think this team is in a situation where they want to play Adoga uh, in his rookie year. I think they view him as more of a 2020 guy. And you have to hope that with Osemele that that helps winners somewhat. Although, again, if you're shaky at center, that could still be a problem area. And you also have to hope that winners, he did stay healthy last year with the two years prior to that, have been banged up a lot. And Tom Compton was is not a guy we want out there for an extended period of time. Now, look, I don't think any team in the NFL feels awesome about ever having to play any other backup offensive lineman. <laughs> right. Uh, right. But you, you still, in this situation, it's like one injury could have a real nasty domino effect. But... Like a lot of things, we're going to find out right away how big of a problem this is or not big of a problem it is because Buffalo has one of the best fronts in the NFL. Uh, Cleveland has one of the best fronts in the NFL. New England's always creative with how they get after the quarterback. Uh, and then Dallas and Philly are obviously are also stacked up there as well. So if they could tread water through those six games, maybe these concerns are overstated and it doesn't end up being that big of a deal. I mean, I, I worry about Darnold and I worry about offense more than anything, so... That is the top of my concern list compared to cornerback. I think the optimistic view is that they are weak on paper at cornerback, but Tremaine Johnson will play better this year because he'll be healthy and he'll be with, here we are back to this again, Greg Williams, who helped bring the best (laughs) football out of his career. 
and that they'll have a good pass rush because even though they're not stacked at the edge, Quentin Williams, Leonard Williams, Henry Anderson uh, will be able to generate enough pressure where problems on the back end won't be that big. And if Marcus May can stay healthy for 16 games, that makes you feel a little better about Daryl Roberts and Brian Poole as your second and third corner. And I think... You know, I kind of see Poole as like a lateral move from screen. I think he's like a somewhat similar player, just younger. Um, I think with Roberts, I've always liked Roberts as sort of a backup fourth corner, him being out there for 16 games. Not something he's ever really done before, and I think it's fair to be concerned if Johnson's not going to be that top, top top-tier corner. I do think that some of those problems could potentially be covered up if Quentin Williams is a high-impact rookie out of the gates. Henry Anderson can replicate what he did last year, and Leonard Williams takes a step forward finally in a contract year. Now, again, I think certain teams, New England comes to mind, they're going to release the ball in two seconds. They're not going to give you time to get the pass rush there. They're going to be quick releases. They're going to try to get your linebackers in space, and they're going to try to take advantage outside the numbers uh, of your cornerbacks and challenge those guys to tackle well and you know win, a, win one-on-one matchups. Overall, when you look at the Jets' top four or five corners, which as it stands right now is Johnson, Roberts, Poole, um, I guess you would then say Derek Jones and Rashad Robinson Derek are technically Jones. the next guys yeah. right there. What, what are your thoughts about how that group's going to play out this year? As you were talking, Joe, and as you're naming them, I cringed. I visibly cringed because I think it's, I think it's really interesting because tying it back to the Greg Williams point, Todd Bowles was a very, very good defensive coach, right? When we hired him from Arizona. And a lot of the times it was, you know, you, you had Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Damon Harrison. They then draft Leo Williams and it's, oh, it's all right. Bowles will figure it out. We had Rex Ryan and Rex, you know, they, they go with Copels and, you know, where maybe they should have gone a different direction. It's okay. Rex will figure it out. And here it is again. It's, oh, Greg will figure it out. I, I look at that cornerback group and it's not a good group. It's not a deep group. And I think what's even more frustrating about it is that there was talent in the draft and there was talent in free agency that could have absolutely reinforced this. And it seems like the Jets overvalued two guys on their own team, right? They overvalued Daryl Roberts, who, again, I... I'm not so sure could hold up a heavy load as the number one corner if Tremaine Johnson is who he was last year. And a lot of people seem to think that, oh, it's okay, he was with Greg before, so he's going to be good. I'm not 100% sure about that. I hear those five names, and I'm absolutely worried that at some point, because again, you you mentioned that you know we're going to find out early on with the pass rush just how good the offensive line is. We're also going to find out how good the corners are because you're facing you know Josh Allen has now added they they've added for him they've added John Brown they've added Cole Beasley he still have Zay Jones so you're going to find out early on you know exactly if anybody can keep up with John Brown and Tremaine Johnson got burned a lot last year. Then you get Baker Mayfield with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway and David Njoku. So then you get those guys. There's a lot of a lot of talent that this Jets secondary is going to have to defend, and I'm genuinely worried that anybody other than Jamal Adams is actually going to be very good. So my optimism level for the cornerback position is actually really low, and it's made even lower by the fact, and this is, I think, why I was so adamant that they should have taken Josh Allen instead of Quentin Williams, because... If you had a significant edge presence, and I feel much better about Josh Allen off the edge than I do about Ja'Kai Polite, if you had a significant edge presence that takes pressure off of your secondary, you're now banking on Greg Williams to figure out how to use these guys in a way that, you know, Todd Bowles didn't figure out how to use those four talented defensive linemen. Rex Ryan didn't figure out how to use his defensive linemen. And these are guys that are better defensive coaches than Greg Williams. So I'm 
I'm definitely very concerned about the about the cornerbacks because I do not think that there's one cornerback on there that realistically going into the season I feel confident enough to say, yeah, that's going to be a lockdown corner in this system. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Looking at the totality of the roster, let's look at a couple yeah. of deep sleepers, guys who aren't getting a lot of conversation right now but could have a bigger-than-expected role. And maybe that's a positive thing. Maybe that ends up being a negative thing. Okay. I, think it, I think it depends on the overall position that we're looking at. I think when you look at what the Jets' receiver dev chart is, there's a chance that the guy who is currently their fourth or fifth receiver is going to end up playing a decent amount because if a new R. Crowder yeah. misses any time or Anderson misses any time, the Jets' base set is going to be three wide. So... Is that Josh Bellamy, who they signed from the Bears, predominantly for special teams reason? Is that Deontay Burnett, who played well in a limited role last season, although I'm not sure if he's ready for a much bigger role yet? Is it one of the undrafted free agents they signed, or is it? do they look to make another veteran addition to that positional group? Uh, you look at a guy like Wesco, who they drafted in the fourth round. Is he the guy who starts the first two weeks of the year instead of a Jordan Leggett or a Neil Sterling, who's still on the roster? Or even, sadly, an Eric Tomlinson who's still on the roster. <laughs> Defensively, I think you know Derek Jones is appropriately a popular name because he has the build and he's looked good in the preseason, and that's a weak positional group. Jeremy Clark is still kicking around on the bottom of the roster. Um, you know, you look at safety. Who are the top backups to Marcus May if he can't stay healthy? Is anyone going to kind of rise up at that position uh, into a bigger role? Um, who are some names that aren't getting a ton of conversation right now, but you could see playing a lot of reps this season? Uh, you mean aside from Baby Gronk? <laughs> Baby Gronk seems it's, a little much. Baby Gronk is going to be a popular name, I think. I think it's going to be a popular pick for a lot of people, and I, I personally don't see it. Um, I think, for me, I think the guys that I think could end up playing more than we would expect, I think are Tom Compton on the offensive line, uh, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at just how much time Montgomery actually plays. And I like that you mentioned them because I, I actually really like that signing. And I thought that between Montgomery or Yeldon, one of them would have made sense to back up Bell because if you really want to get bang for your buck in this contract, you needed to make sure that he made it through the entirety of this contract. And he's a guy that's had some nicks and stuff like that during his time in Pittsburgh. So you want to make sure that he's healthy for the stretch run, especially if you're going to try to be a playoff team this year, which should be the mandate. Um, I think... I think Westco is going to be a popular pick. Compton, um, I think it's very possible that we see um, a lot more of Deontay Burnett, just because I think you're 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 looking. Law of averages says that Quincy Anu was going to get hurt at some point, right? So I think you'll see. A, I think you'll see a lot more of him. I think it's 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 troubling, Joe, that we're entering now the like you mentioned the quiet part of the off season, and there's still guys on the free agent market that can help this team going forward in terms of just providing depth behind you know guys that are starting or whatever the case may be. Like you look at a guy like Morris Claiborne is still out there. I'd feel more comfortable with Morris Claiborne at the second corner position than I would you know having having Daryl Roberts there. So maybe that's a guy that ends up playing more time than initially thought, especially post-draft. But I think, honestly, you look at Compton, Montgomery, I think those are going to be names. I think Bellamy absolutely is going to get some kind of, him and Burnett are going to get some kind of snaps, much more than they really should, because realistically, if the three, the top three receivers of the Jets are healthy, those guys should not see the field like that. So those are the guys that I would watch out for. But Compton feels like a guy that just ends up playing much more than anybody really expected, just because the competition for him at center is Jonathan Harrison, who's not very good. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
We just haven't seen Harrison play like 90, 100% of the snaps in a season ever. Even when he was playing more, you know, a few years back, he kind of capped out at like 60% of the snaps in a season. So it will be new, new territory for him. And again, maybe there is another veteran domino to fall, but I don't, I don't really see it. The Jets are actually getting a little close to being up against it in cap space. Not that they're prevented from making any, uh, you know, minor moves if they want to, but I just feel like, People expecting them to make two to four more major additions are going to be disappointed. I could see maybe one or two more trickling through, but I think for the most part, this is going to be the roster unless there's some type of injury that hits in the summer. Um, Before we wrap up, we know that, again, this is kind of a quieter time of the year. Is there any particular storylines or things that you're keeping an eye on from now until the start of training camp? And right now we're working through voluntary workouts. We'll have... Uh, OTAs will have mini camp, um, but then really, like those are all sort of very light, uh, somewhat forgettable workouts. Generally, I mean, try to remember the biggest storylines from this time of the year. The past few years, they always end up kind of not mattering when the season comes around. Uh, but is right. there anything? Is there anything in particular that you're going to keep an eye on with some of the additions the Jets made this off season, or some potential storylines around the team? I mean, my hope is that nobody gets arrested. I think because I, I feel like we when we when we do these podcasts post draft, we always say, "Man, just don't get in trouble," right? Like, <laughs> just trying to get through it, right? And then somehow somebody you know ends up going Grand Theft Auto or doing something crazy or whatever the case may be. Um, I think for me, I'm gonna look to see how quick the offensive line gels. I think that's something that I'm gonna watch because this is a unit that again. You have Beecham, who's been pretty consistent, but Harrison didn't play a ton of snaps, right? I mean, he took over for Spencer Long, but didn't play a ton of snaps. And then you have Winters, who battled some injuries, and then you added Osamele, and then now you have Brandon Show. It's a unit that's potentially starting two full-time new starters, and these guys haven't played many snaps together. So that's something that I'm going to be looking for. Um, I'm also going to be looking to see how Adam Gates uses the wide receivers. I think that... I think that voluntary workouts and as we head into training camp are going to be interesting because I think that there's, there's this idea uh, that, you know, Quincy New and Robbie Anderson are only going to be used in a certain way. But I think part of the reason that they signed Jamison Crowder was because now all three of them become interchangeable. Crowder has experience playing outside and then you can move Quincy New into the slot or maybe you move Robbie Anderson into the slot and try to take advantage of some of that athleticism. So that's going to be interesting. I think also uh, they got a lot of attention. The fact that Adam Gase said, you know, they're trying to dethrone the Patriots, but that's something that Rex Ryan said a lot of, Todd Bowles said none of. Um, and so it's not one of those things, but I'm interested to see what kind of tone he sets because I think Adam Gase, I feel like he would have benefited from taking a year off. He did not. He jumped right back into coaching. And as we saw it with Eric Mangini when he went from the Jets to the Browns, that ten, that the, the things that you needed to fix to be a successful coach, you didn't do it in the week and a half that you were waiting to find another job. So I'm very interested to see just what kind of, what kind of changes he's made in the week and a half from when he got fired from Miami and then got hired by the Jets because his growth as a coach is probably the second most important growth behind Sam Darnold as a quarterback. And if he's the same Adam Gase that he was in Miami, then this season can go off the rails very, very quickly. So those are the ones that I'll be paying attention to. Yeah, I think we'll wait and see if there's any more sort of rumblings of discord. And some of that stuff is going to be overstated, some of it... There's probably something to it. Usually when there's smoke, there's some type of fire. But again, this is fairly common throughout NFL front offices and it remains to be seen if any of this is really a big deal. I think we'll see some knives come out if they struggle early in the year, but I, I doubt we'll see anything like 
major pop off in the next few months. And then, like you said, we'll probably get some word on a Herndon suspension if it's going to happen or not, and if it is, how many games it's going to be. Uh, and then you hope everyone else just stays out of trouble and stays healthy. Uh, you know, this is uh, an improved roster without a doubt, but no other you know damage to it would be ideal right now because they really took all their big shots already in free agency with Bell and with Mosley, and to a lesser extent. Uh, in acquiring Semele and signing Crowder as well. So we just kind of quieter is better. Someone like Bell, keep doing your routine, whatever worked for you. Just come to training camp healthy. Hope that Brandon Shell is healthy in training camp. Hope the rookies look good and a couple undrafted free agents start to pop a little bit. And maybe that helps round out the depth chart a little more uh, than all of us expect. And I think, you know, my guess is that you know, as predictions start coming out for next season, most people will have the Jets at second in the AFC East. I could see some people having Buffalo at second in the AFC East. Uh, I think most people will project both of those teams to win somewhere between seven and nine games, and that probably feels about right on balance. I think the question is, in that scale, do you see them as a seven and nine team, or do you see them as a nine and seven and potentially ten and six team who's pushing as a playoff spot? But you know, like we've seen, and I put the Twitter question out there: it's a talented conference, and it's not. It's yeah. not going to be easy if you're not going to beat New England in the division. It's not going to be easy to grab one of those two wild card spots because if you look at the West, Chargers and Chiefs, despite some of the hits that the Chiefs took to their roster, still pretty loaded. Uh, and if those two teams are going to be playoff teams, that leaves you with one spot, and you still have teams like. The Steelers, the Ravens, the Texans, the Jaguars should be better. Uh, the Titans were a half away from the playoffs last year. Uh, I think most people are assuming the Colts are going to jump ahead of the Texans this year. But if they don't, they'd be in the wild, wild card mix. So I do think it's going to be the kind of year where you probably need to win 10. Of course, injuries could happen and things could change. But that kind of feels like where we're at right now, no? Yeah, I mean, I think you you make a great point. I think, and you're talking about if New England is, you know, if the East is theirs, and then I, I think it's a pretty safe bet. And again, I know a lot of people like were saying, "Oh, well, you got to see them play a game first. I'm sorry, the Cleveland Browns on paper are the most talented team in the conference. Like, had it had it been the Jets that had acquired Odell Beckham and Olivier Vernon, and you know, and had the offseason that they had, I think a lot of people would be saying, "Yeah, they're a threat to New England. So why wouldn't Cleveland, who just won seven games, be a threat?" to you know to, to New England also because they added the arguably the best receiver in football and they added a pass rusher next to opposite their other pass rusher. So again I think Cleveland is absolutely the favorite to win the North. The South is interesting because I still I really like Houston adding two offensive linemen to protect Deshaun Watson. And then you have the Colts. The Jaguars should be better with Nick Foles like you mentioned. I thought they had a really nice offseason. They also added who I thought was the you know at worst the third best player in the draft and Josh Allen. So now you've gotten another pass rusher to that front seven. And you mentioned the Titans who again added AJ Brown, so they've given Marcus Mariota another weapon. Uh, they also added Ryan Tannehill, so if they wanted to move on from Mariota, they can. And then you have the West with again, like you mentioned, the Chargers and the Chiefs. But Denver, for all you know, all the talk of Joe Flacco being done, and he probably is. They drafted Noah Fant. They have Drew Locke behind them, who, again, could, may be able to unseat him. They still have Emmanuel Sanders, and they have arguably the best running back uh, group in that division. And and you still have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, right? So, again, it's really 
the Jets, if a lot of people gave you flack because they, 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 in your article, because they were like, oh, they absolutely should be in the mix for a playoff seed. And it's like, do you realize how loaded the AFC is? This is the first time in a really, really long time where I feel like somebody is actually a threat to New England. So I, I it's going to be hard to be a playoff team, but the Jets should look for, they need to try to make the playoffs this year because you can't go another year without making the playoffs. All right, Dalvin Asario, thank you for joining us as always. Everyone give him a follow on Twitter at DA underscore Asario. Give me a follow on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday with another episode unless I get a little energy Saturday morning and we feel like dropping in another mailbag podcast. But we'll keep you posted there. Thank you, everybody, for listening.